Blog Talk Radio. I can. <laughs> Success. Thank you for having me. My day has been amazing. I actually had the opportunity earlier today to present Safe Conversations. It's a communication workshop for couples and to um, increase positive communication in the family atmosphere at home is even uh, applicable in the workplace. So that's what kind of day I had earlier today, and it was absolutely amazing. It was online um, with a great organization that I've had the opportunity to serve and present to um, about three times a year. and so it's amazing. Um, it's a mega church, Concord Church in Dallas. Beautiful, beautiful feedback. Thank you for asking. 
Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm a licensed professional counselor. I have the opportunity to support um, my favorite client for women, actually. Let me just say I'm partial to us women because we have so many beautiful, amazing things about us, and life just keeps on life. And so um, I really love supporting women. But I've had the opportunity to support school districts, families, and couples. In addition to that, I am a neuro coach, so I do use brain-based strategies to help you achieve your goals and reach success. Um, I'm a singer. I'm a songwriter, praise and worship leader. Um, I just I have a heart for God, and I'm so grateful for His love. I can't deny His love. So we don't get into that a little bit more. He already shared that I am an author. I wrote a guided journal to help you be fly, and I explained what that means. So you know that's a little bit about me. We'll we'll get into it. Shout out to the Creek family. You know what? Sometimes you um, have to pay attention to what other people see in you. Um, other people give you feedback, and they can recognize um sometimes the things that you take for granted. So even at, at an early age, I was told that I was easy to talk to, um, people felt comfortable with me. I took up for other students at school if they were being bullied. And what I realized is um, that translated into spiritual gifts of empathy, exhortation, encouragement, counseling, being an advocate for others and their emotional well-being and how they handle stress and anxiety, um, that's, that's a part of who I am. Also, I have members in my family who are musically inclined. And so when I was younger, I was sing. I really didn't care about the attention. But if you were sad, I was, you know, always willing to sing a song to make you feel better. Um, if it was your birthday, of course, I, I love to sing happy birthday to you. But it was always about um, how can I help someone, not so much, you know, trying to be seen. But um, it's important not to hide. It's important not to hide who you are, right? So uh, it's, it's really important. Let your light shine, right? That's what we're supposed to do. We're here to, to help each other, to connect with each other and share our gifts with the world. So I'm in a brand new season of doing just that. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. You know, sometimes you're um you're in a place and you see a need. So um, you know, I, I like to see things done in excellence. I like to see things done well. And I kept being in spaces where sometimes someone was not present. If, if I didn't step up and help out, it may not have been completed. So I said, okay, they're asking for someone to lead a song. 
but nobody in the room even knows that I sing because I was hiding that, right? <laughs> so I flipped my hand up. I, I, I can try it. I can work on it. And then just showing up in that space. So, um, you know, I think something that helped me also was to realize that, you know, it's all about leaving a legacy. What do I really want to be known for? But if you're hiding your gift, then you, you won't be you won't be able to impact others in a in a great way. So I think just realizing that there's space for me, there's room for what I bring, um, it's not really about me. It's about the gifts that God put in me. And there is a point at which it becomes selfish to just sit on and enjoy it. You know, even from a songwriter standpoint, I have private praise, private prayer time, private worship, right? Private Bible study. And I should. But then he gave me some songs that seemed like it was to encourage someone else. And um, I actually was invited by a composer. You know, he, he created the musical tracks, and he needed words to it. And so, um, actually, you know, he contacted my mom and said, hey, um, you know, I have this song, You Know Anyone. And my mom said, yeah, my daughter <laughs> actually writes lyrics. And so he was blown away. We had a chance to meet work on it as soon as I heard the chords. I mean, the first few moments, words started coming to me. I was inspired. It felt heavenly. It was pure. And so there was a pure connection, and words started to flow. Flowing so quickly, I had to rush and get some, you know, paper just to to write down what I was receiving. And that song turned into... um a song I have called God's Got Healing Hands. So um, sometimes the Lord will place a demand on you and what you have, and you have to be willing to say, yes, yes, I will will show up and do my part. And so I've had the opportunity to share that song in particular at different women's retreats, um, in spaces where people are dealing with um, illnesses that they're hoping to be healed from, with God's grace, and you just never know. You just never know. So um, if, if you're not stepping out, sometimes God will orchestrate a situation and place a demand on that gift. That, that's a great question. So one thing is, you need to spend time in self-reflection. First, just take about five minutes to brainstorm. Another word for it is a brain dump, okay? Get some paper. Think about what interests you. Write it down. Think about what catches your attention. Think about what you love. What no one has to beg you to do, you just gravitate toward that thing naturally. What are your talents? What are your gifts? What are your skills? What are you taking for granted? What are you good at? When you try different things, or even if it's in school or university or on your workplace, in your job, you know, you got to find a task. What, what things did you show up for and do well? 
write those things down and step back from them. It's important to look at your interests. Then another thing is, how do you feel about yourself? How do you see yourself? Do you realize that you are good enough? Self-love is so important. Your self-concept is really important, okay? So if you realize that you have limiting beliefs, negative thoughts that circle and spiral about you, that will keep you from feeling like you have something to say, from realizing you have something to give, something to pour out and share and give to others. So on another sheet of paper, write down those negative thoughts that come to you. Um, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Who would want to hear me? Why would they pay me? Um, write those limiting beliefs down in one column. In the second column on the same sheet of paper, I want you to flip that negative belief into something positive, okay? And we're, we're talking about self-esteem building, building self-love, self-concept. So let's say um, your, your negative comment is, I'm not good enough, or no one wants to hear what I have to say. Your positive spin on that, the opposite would be, I have something important to say. I am important, and my words are important, okay? So that's the positive column. Third column is support for that. That could be a scripture that talks about why it's important to share you know, it could be how special you are that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But doing that, going through that process, listing your negative thoughts, your limiting beliefs that are standing in the way of your goals and your dreams and your confidence, um, flipping them in the middle column to positive support, and then finding um, quotes, scriptures, other thoughts that support you being more positive. Turn those into I am statements and affirmations to encourage yourself. And then once you have your confidence, look at start developing those into goals, right? If I have something to say, then where can I apply that? It may be as a speaker. It may be as um, being a leader on my job. There's so many ways that you can use your voice. God is... Um, Bless me to be able to use my voice in more than one way. You know, we've covered that I'm a singer. I'm a songwriter. I'm a counselor. I have been a teacher. <laughs> so, I mean, there are different spaces. Same voice, workshop leader, neuro coach. And I was someone who really would prefer to be quiet and stay in the background. But instead, I'm using my voice. And I did that by working on changing my limiting beliefs, seeing myself as um, positive and useful with a work in the kingdom for me to do. So. Absolutely. Um, so sometimes we have in the church at large, this idea that since Jesus is the wonderful counselor, that there is no need to go to a licensed professional counselor or a therapist. But that's not what the word supports. Um, the word talks about um, going to a multitude of counselors 
because that's where there is safety. Okay, that's in the word. It talks about rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn. That's one of my favorite scriptures because that's what I get to do when you come in. Um, it's not because of a lack of faith that you're going to a counselor. It's because you're sharing your life with one another. He told us to bear one another's burdens. That's what counselors do. And if we are um, all different aspects of God's character and different expressions of him, if we are made in his image, then if he is a wonderful counselor, shouldn't I be able to be a miniature version of the wonderful counselor? That is, you know, just another part of who he is. And so that gift and resides in, in me. And I'm grateful for it. It's very humbling. Um, it's a safe zone. It's no judgment. Um, people deal with all kinds of challenges in every walk of life. And so not only are they concerned about showing up, but they're concerned if, um, you know, about what I'm going to think about them. They're curious if other people are going to think they weren't strong enough or they couldn't pray hard enough. It's not about prayer. It's about sometimes you need encouragement, right, and you need strategy. And you can have the word, but when life happens, <laughs> it, it, it can be a struggle. So what I love about the word of God is there are examples, even in the word, where People were depressed, where people considered, hey, Lord, just take me now. I'm, I'm tired, right? Elijah said, I'm the last prophet. You know, no one else is here doing this work. The people are wicked. And God said, no, come on out of the cage. In a still, small voice. God didn't tell him, no, you know, where's your... God didn't shake him, rattle him. God was compassionate and understanding. If he's almighty, if he's all-knowing, then he understands us. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Lord, this is heavy. Could you take this cup from me? I don't know if I can bear this. That was a moment, right? He was praying alone, but he he had, he had asked three disciples, hey, can y'all come close? Can y'all be close and pray? Right? That was for support. So if I save you. Ask for support. And he, he shared with them, hey, I need y'all to watch with me. I need y'all to pray with me. That's what a counselor can do. And sad to say, we even have some pastors. Shout out to pastors, ministers, um, people on staff, right? Because they're carrying a heavy weight, a heavy burden of shepherding others and, and carrying the load and bearing those burdens. Do you know there's a high percentage of men and women of God who consider taking their own life and some have. What if they realized they had the freedom without judgment to bear, allow someone else to help them bear those burdens and get counseling? Another thing, the world just copies what God has already given us. <laughs> All the best strategies for success, money, uh, having a great life full of joy, the world copies from us. So what I do, I feel like my responsibility as a Christian counselor is to examine these theories, see how they line up or do not align with the Word of God, and I have a, a choice 
to choose which therapeutic modalities I want to make be a part of my personal toolkit. And I explain that to my clients when they show up. I have found that cognitive behavior therapy very closely aligns with the word. Why? Because the word says take every thought captive. Okay? So in cognitive, which, you know, means our mind, our thoughts, behavior, that's our actions, what we do, in therapy, right, working it out. The word says work out your own salvation. So I use cognitive behavior therapy to help our saints look at their thoughts that are guiding their behaviors, and then together we develop strategies. We look for patterns in our behavior. How often have you um, been stuck in this cycle? Where did you get off track? And it's a no-judgment zone, right? I'm bound by confidentiality. Much like pastoral staff would be, except not only am I ethically bound to you as an individual, but also by the state of Texas where my license was issued. You know, ethics is a very important part. So, you know, I want to encourage the saints by all means. Um, you can even see now in the world, it's getting a little more cool to go to counseling, right? And then how about this? I understand, you know, different people in the faith, struggle with going to the doctor. But we have need to go to the dentist. We have need to go to a physician. We have need to, you know, we have a pain in our body to see what's aching us, right? Well, our mind is no different. God addresses our mentality. And so, you know, I, I just want to encourage you, be, be willing to be open, to be vulnerable, and have a neutral accountability partner in a licensed professional counselor. I think that's awesome. Um, something in many of our churches that is a growing trend is just educating ourselves um, from the top leadership on staff, from the pastoral staff on down. And it's important. Why? You know, there was a, a point historically, um, you know, this even being Black History Month, <laughs> where, um, you know, our churches in this country, we weren't allowed to read. We didn't have access to the information. It was difficult for us to get higher education. But now that, you know, those things have been removed, um, you know, a lot of churches started under the trees, <laughs> okay? So our people were definitely directly inspired by God. Still are. We still are. There's still heavenly downloads. But God is the one who is the one who created the knowledge. So we're just accessing what he's already made available. And so I love now that even more pastors are becoming educated formally. They're going to seminary, right? And so that's just higher accountability, higher skill set, um, um, a higher skill set level that they're acquiring so they can better serve the people, right? Um, why would we reinvent the wheel? Why would we start over from scratch? when, um, you know, we have this information passed down to us. So 
I love that we have different specializations on staff. We have benevolent pastors. We have chaplains. We have pastoral counselors. And there are even biblical counseling certifications that you can receive. Even if they're not licensed, there are still programs to get you certified in biblical counseling just to teach you a process. So, you know, it's still going to be a Holy Spirit-led session when your clients walk in, when the church people walk in to, you know, receive services from you. But it will help you to streamline your process and your format and your treatment plan. It will just give a guide. So the same way seminary helps um, ministers learn about the background of their field and then the format, you know, a message and sermons with points that are to the point and succinct, right? Counseling and certification and biblical counseling is the same way. And so I'm starting to even see an increase in many um, bodies of Christ churches where they have a licensed professional counselor on Dad. And that's amazing. So kudos. <laughs> I agree. I also, um, even being a counselor, you know, I had an opportunity to receive counseling services myself. And so when I look over my life and how, you know, God weaves me into this position, um, when I was a counseling student in undergrad, actually I was, uh, my major was psychology, okay, because I knew that this is where God was leading me. Well, I got close to senior year in undergraduate school at HBCU, shout out to Lincoln University of Missouri. Um, even though I'm a Dallas Tech girl, I went up there to get my education, came on back home. So, <laughs> but I found that I was dealing with depression. A psychology major dealing with depression. And I found out statistically that students who are law students and psychology counseling students have the highest rate of depression in college at that time. I spoke to my professors about that, and they stated, for one, it has something to do with um, something that is kind of like vicarious trauma. That's something that pastors deal with. It's something that counselors deal with attorneys deal with, social workers, any line of work, even our law enforcement, um, you're, you're um, susceptible to the heaviest situations that people deal with, right? The ills of mankind, if you will. Those heavy things come across your plate. And so I thought, wow, I'm depressed. And it was just because I was learning about so many things that could go wrong with our thinking with our inner man, with our soul, all the struggles that we deal with. And so um, I found myself in a place. So I accessed the counseling available to me on that campus. Fast forward to me, you know, starting in the workplace. I was working in education. I felt overloaded. I love giving back to the children. I love teaching them, interacting with them, encouraging them. But teachers don't often have that many breaks not even restroom breaks, and I found myself trying to keep up with the paperwork and the demands of, you know, accountability for testing, you know, still. not I'm no stranger to accountability, but there was a lack of time. And so it started to make many people in the workplace feel that, am I making a difference? 
Um, is this an unfair situation? And so, you know, people all around me were depressed. And when you start to question, am I walking out my purpose? Is this, you know, what happened to my passion? Has the fire gone out? You know, a common word now is burnout. Girl, you know, burnt out. Burnout is a cool word for depression. That's all it is. So I accessed on my job EAP services. They had a third-party um, company that we could call anonymously. And our workplace covered about six sessions per issue, right? And so I took advantage of that. Well, wouldn't you know, I was also in part-time, um, I was a part-time student working on my counseling degree, my master's in counseling. And so I was overloaded. Um, and, and God was faithful in that because I thought, Lord, I'm, I'm trying to finish. I don't have time to be depressed again. <laughs> what is this about, right? How is a counselor going to be dealing with depression? And really, he brought it to my attention. It wouldn't be right for me to allow you to walk in this space and start helping people in this way, and you haven't even healed in some other areas. So he brought up some things and healed me in those areas. And I was able to go to counseling, get assistance, come out stronger. And now my testimony includes the fact that I've accessed services, right? Um, another thing I've experienced in my life, um, at age 45, I was a first-time bride. I was excited to be married, beautiful man of God that, that, you know, God brought to me. He was a deacon in the church and everything. <laughs> and so I did get married. I did get married. We were married for 888 days, amazing days. We dated for two and a half years. Um, in that amount of time, we did get engaged. We were able to remain pure. Hello, somebody during the dating process. And then we married. We were married for 888 days, you know, number eight, the new beginning. And he went home to be with the Lord. And I said, my God, I waited all this time for the right one. And you brought me the right one. But he went home to glory. Listen, I closed up shop. I said, let me. Finish the few months clients I have, and let me focus on me. I took time to tend to my own self-care. For a period of six months, I didn't counsel anyone else. I let God hear the concerns of my heart. I allowed a trusted counselor who was licensed and also Christian. They walked me through the words. Because that was a heavy circumstance. That was a promise that had come to fruition, and it felt like it had been taken away. And I said, God, I know you're God of purpose. And so he allowed me to remember all of the good things, everything that came out of the marriage. I received emotional healing. It restored my faith and relationships. Everything about it was amazing. So um, that helped me rebuild. And I was able to be a co-author 
in a devotional anthology. Together there were 24 women. It was published by Sparkle Publishing, and it's entitled The Rhea, Refuel, Refocus, Rebuild. And my devotional was included, it's on page 60, <laughs> it was included, and I took that moment to share my testimony because it was a pandemic experience. I was married um, July 20th, 2019. You know, the pandemic started March 2020. And so, first of all, I'm grateful that I was able to have a wedding before the pandemic. We had um, marital bliss because when the pandemic started, we were both in education. He repaired music and instruments. And what, so we were both off for a season, but we were paid. And so here you have two people, me being from Dallas, Texas. He was from Shreveport, Louisiana. We dated long distance. We drove and met halfway in Tyler for, you know, the bulk of that date ship, that courtship. And then we got married. I moved to Shreveport to be with him. And then the pandemic hit. We had all day to be together <laughs> for the first time. So we had marital bliss and we had growing pains at the same time. And it was beautiful. It was like making up a lost time. So that's testimony number two, I guess. Because one is God was faithful to bring me a man of God in that season. That's what I've been waiting on, right? So the second part is that um, he redeemed the time, right? He redeemed the time because we had so much time to be romantic and lovey-dovey and really get to know each other even more. Because when you're married, it doesn't just stop at the altar. You continue to learn and grow and challenge each other. And sometimes you have misunderstandings. And you have to figure out that thing together, right? So we did that. We had an opportunity to attend Faith Conversations as a couple. And um, my husband at the time, Isaiah, he even got uh, certified as a workshop leader in Faith Conversations. And then we started that work together. So, you know, I just want to encourage someone. Maybe life has thrown something at you that you just did not plan on. Maybe you have a promise that you were waiting on, and when it finally came, it felt like it was snatched away, right? God can handle your anger. He can handle your questions. He can handle your doubt, your fear. He can handle it because he knows, right? Even though Jesus didn't experience the same exact experiences that I did, he had a journey that walked him through every emotion. Love feels the same. Pain feels the same. Disappointment is common to man. Nothing is new under the sun, Ecclesiastes says. So Jesus truly understood what I felt in that moment. And when I cried out to God, he heard me, he answered me, he encouraged me, and he said, listen. I said, God, where were you? He said, I was right there with you. I said, you're right. <laughs> I felt your presence. I felt your presence. So I was encouraged in that. And my next question is, where do I go from here? What do I do now? 
And he said, listen, when you walk through the fire, I'll be with you. When you walk through the flood, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm not going to let it overtake you. You will not be burned. You will not be scorched, you know. And so I was not, but that doesn't mean I didn't need to take a break. And so I want to encourage you today. Maybe you just keep pushing yourself to keep going. It's okay to pause. It's okay to tag team somebody else in and say, hey, let me go sit at the feet of the master. That's what's needed right now. That's what's required right now. Not the work. Not just doing the work. Not just being busy. Not just pushing through until I burn out. But let me sit down and revisit. Okay, God, what now? Sure. So let me share that Isaiah was intentional from day one. So some of our backstory um, that just goes more in line with God's faithfulness in my life. When I said, God, where were you? He said, let me take you back to this timeline. <laughs> well, I'm going to share right now. Um, how did I meet Isaiah Sherman Jr.? Well, we were introduced by a mutual friend that we both knew. So this mutual friend was a coworker of mine in Dallas ISD when I was an educator, working on my counseling degree, my master's, okay? So we were in the office, and I've never been the one to share my business and go into a whole bunch of personal. You know, my grandmother said, hey, at work, you know, you have work friendships, okay, to be cordial. But be careful because first you have to know who's really for you. Don't just start divulging all your personal information and end up as water cooler conversation. Okay, so I was listening to the wisdom of my grandmother on that. But this coworker named Corey Davis, he was a character. He's the kind of person probably be the life of the party, right? Just real charismatic, real free, very much a people person, very relational. And he started this conversation and he shared that he had been married when he was in his 20s. And, you know, he's an armor bearer, and it just didn't go well. It didn't go well. You know, his wife, they ended up deciding, we're not going to do this. He was crushed by that experience. He was so disappointed. And he was sharing that. He said, oh, I'm not worried about getting married again. Forget that, right? And so I'm working. We are working. I'm typing. I'm doing a report. I'm looking. And he says, either creeps, because, you know, we just called each other by last name, creeps. Uh, what you got to say? Nothing. I'm minding my business over here. I'm, I'm minding the business that pays me. He said, no, no, you got to, you know, you got to chime in. And so, basically, he was saying how much he respects me, how much, you know, he had watched me in the workplace. And so he valued my opinion. He wanted my input. So let me just put a plug right there and say, you never know who's watching you. People are looking to see if you're messy, if you engage in gossip, or if you're walking this thing out as a woman of faith, a man of faith. And I have been watched. So I said, well, you know, I've had some relationships, um, but it, it just didn't work out, you know. And so God said, 
Tell him I said to leave the door open. Mm-mm. No, I'm not saying that. Well, mm-mm, God, I'm telling God no because I'm hearing this in my spirit. God had to say it again. I said, tell him that I said, leave the door open. Lord, it's other co-workers in here. I don't even want them questioning me. You know, oh, who she think? What's me? God said. But I'm going to be there because, you know, he said twice. <laughs> Accountability is coming. So I said, God said, leave the door open. What? God said you need to leave the door open. So he got quiet. He turned, he looked. He said, okay, you know what? Just because it's you that said it, I'm going to listen. I said, wow. Wow, God. Thank you for thinking enough of me to give me the urgency to speak up and encourage one of yours. (laughs) So fast forward, right? I am at a brand new age. You know, we, we, we all left that job, went on to do other things. All were working on degrees, did that, finished, right? Now we only friends on social media, and we don't, we don't even talk like that. And I'm having a moment. It's about a month before my birthday when I'm about to turn 43. And I said, Lord, listen, if you're not going to send me nobody, just tell me, because you know, Paul said it's good to stay alone. You can focus on the work. And, I, I, you know, I'm good. But when they walking up to me asking for my number, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I miss an opportunity. or I mean, can you just tell me <laughs> what's for me? Because, you know, and, and, and bring, can you bring me by the time I'm 45? Because if you don't bring me by the time I'm 45, I'm really not going to be paying attention to it. And I don't know where that even came from, this deadline, this timeline I had in my, in my heart and in my mind. But God was listening, and I guess he said, well, are you through? So I said amen with my upset self because I was about to go into prayer and reflection. And, you know, I do that about a month out before my birthday. So this is literally Valentine's week when I'm having this, you know, heated love fellowship prayer, (laughs) quote, unquote, prayer with Jesus, you know, telling him, hey, can you do this on the timeline? And so I open up my phone, I look on social media, I scroll. First thing I see is the page and profile of posted by that same coworker, Corey Davis. He posted that he got married on Valentine's Day, the day I'm running my mouth, talking noise to God. <laughs> and it's the first post I see. I don't believe in coincidences, okay? The timing of that was impeccable. He's a guy of perfect timing. Don't always feel like it, but he is. That's my testimony. That's what I'm sticking to. So I heard the Holy Spirit say, now, what did I tell you to tell him? I said, you told me to tell him that you said, leave the door open. He said, okay, that's what I'm saying to you. And I just broke down in tears. I broke down in tears. I fell to my knees. I said, okay, 
You know what, you're God. I'm going to leave it to you, you know. You're the boss. I'm not running this. Just help me through this because I've been waiting. Little did I know <laughs> that my coworker, my former coworker, with his big personality, he said, listen, if I can get married again, anybody can get married again. And he said, I'm going to start playing Dr. Love because I know a lot of good people in a lot of different cities. And he said, I'm going to look y'all up because somebody encouraged me. Now, he created a group and actually started putting his single, never married, no kids friends in a group. He said, you know, I'm going to give y'all a chance first. Some of us already had one chance. I'm going to come back for y'all. Those of us who've been married before and got kids, I'm going to hook y'all up next. But my first Dr. Love uh, test is going to be with those who never, you know, tried it yet. Okay. <laughs> well, I think it's ridiculous because I don't like a lot of riffraff. I, I just want to keep it simple. I don't want to give place to the enemy to be in something and the conversation don't go sideways. It's not glorifying God. Mm-mm. No, no, no. That's all right. Not for me, right? So I'm not commenting. And so he has posts in here that say, if you go to a picnic and, you know, your significant other, you don't go to the restroom and somebody of the opposite sex sees you that you don't have a plate yet, so they make you a plate, what you going to do? See, that's trouble right there. You start in trouble. I'm not going to be part of this. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. But I know what I think about it, right? Well, what I didn't know is that Isaiah Sherman Jr. was also in this, in this, in this, in this group. Well, well, how would I know that? I don't know him, right? They knew each other because they went to um, the same HBCU. They went to Grambling University, and they were in the band together. They were bandmates. That's how they knew each other. So I'm coming. Isaiah's coming. And everybody's in there coming. But when I quit, Mr. Davis sent me an inbox and said, "Hey, can you chime in? I need some voice of reason in here." said, Lord, this is like a repeat. So I started coming, and basically I said something, paraphrasing to the effect of, well, if I was in a relationship, my man would know not to accept this plate. Or he would say, if you make one, make two, because my lady will be right back. She just went to the restroom. <laughs> so everybody's chiming in, right? It is it's a lot going on, and I, you know, all the responses, they're comical. We're having a good time in here. Well, Isaiah had some responses, too, and I like what he was saying. We were kind of saying the same thing. Hey, I'm going to let it be known, right, that I'm not single. If you don't, okay, okay. So fast forward, he said, all right, I'm ready to play Dr. Love. So Corey Davis sent out a questionnaire to all his male friends. He said, listen. I'm not I'm not sending an email to anybody who have dog character. So don't be offended. <laughs> right? Now I can't see this communication. I was all of this is relayed to me later, right? I'm telling you now what, you know, my friend told me that he did and what Isaiah told me that he said. Yeah, he said, um, those of you who, you know, are trouble, y'all not gonna mess over my homegirls. <laughs> okay. So he said I'm going to send you a question. Now, fill it out. I want you to put what you're looking for in a woman and what that woman can expect from you. 
Isaiah filled out the questionnaire, but he was a little discouraged. One of his really close um, homegirls who's married and both of them together, you know, her husband and her say, hey, are you going to fill this out? He said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to be a part of nothing silly. You know, I'm waiting on God. And, they, and she said, well, how you, how you don't know this is God? This is somebody you know. It's not random, right? So he filled out the questionnaire. But he lived in Shreveport. He said, hey, since we're all older and we're establishing our cities, I'm going to do a Dallas group. I'm going to do a Shreveport group. I'm going to do a Chicago group. I'm going to do an Atlanta group. So I'm waiting on Dallas. Dallas, one, two, three. He don't put any pictures. He don't put any names. He just named you and give you a number in your city. So I read Dallas, one, two, three. Mm. One of them kind of caught my attention. I inboxed my homeboy. Listen, tell me, can you tell me about this one? He said, no, he's not for you. He, he good, but you goody, goody, goody. What does that mean, Corbin? No, you know, he good now, but he but you goody goody goody. I can't just you you can't just get anybody. He said, just wait, wait, I got some more down the but they haven't turned that paper in yet. I say to myself, Lord, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? I don't want to create anything. I just got to telling you I didn't want any distractions. And it was ten days before my birthday when Shreveport number one and two got posted. While I'm waiting on Dallas one, two, three, I'm being nosy. Now I'm going to just see what the other posts are. And I read them. And Shreveport number one, when he described what he wanted a woman, it's a description that resonates with me. I said, maybe I'm making this up. I, 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 I screenshot it. I took a picture of it, and I sent it to my four close friends in a text. I said, y'all read this. Tell me what y'all think. Girl, what is this? It's like somebody talking about you. It was the written word, the written text. Wow. So I, I inboxed my home, but I said, can you tell me about Shreveport number one? <laughs> he said, well, hmm. now that I think about it, y'all would be perfect for one another. But I never considered it because... Y'all are in different cities, settled, and I didn't want us a rooting, you know, ourselves. We're establishing our careers and our routines, and most of us have homes. He said, but y'all might be, I think y'all be perfect for each other. And I said, well, don't do anything. I'm not ready. I said, it's, it's 10 days before my birthday. I'm about to fast and pray and ask the Lord about all my goals and the rest of my life. And I just told him I didn't want any distractions, and now I'm now I'm curious. So he said he would not share it. So I go through my birthday. I'm good. I didn't even think about it anymore. I prayed about it and I left it alone. Ten days after my birthday. So now this is a total of twenty days basically. Ten days after my birthday. I get a friend request from Isaiah on social media. He doesn't say how he got my information or how he, you know, decides to befriend me, but we started chatting in Messenger. <laughs> he just asked me, how you, you know, how you doing? And, well, where you, well, I do this. And we found out we had music in common and some other things. Three weeks later, he said, you know what? I think, you know, you're really cool. We could be friends. I said, yeah, that's cool. And I'm knowing that he's Shreveport number one because at this point, 
my coworker told me what his name was, and he said, go look at his profile. Now, I had prayed for a man of God, a praying man of God. The very back of his profile said that he had started a prayer group on Facebook. It was called 24 Hours of Prayer to the God Who Never Sleeps. Huh. So I'm scrolling his page. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking for one thing, one single thing to disqualify him. So I was like, Mm-mm, nope, nope, that's a mess. Next, I couldn't find anything. His page was ethical. He had a few little jokes on there, but they were clean. It was just little funny things. He had a great sense of humor. And he was posting scripture, and there was nothing contradictory. You know, a lot of people post scripture, right? But there was nothing contradictory. So I thought, wow, that's interesting. So three weeks later, he said, you know what? Can I call you? We just been chatting. Can I call you? So I said, yeah. And because we had a mutual friend, I knew, actually knew him. I said, yeah, I gave him my number. He came from a trusted source because I don't want nobody to get in trouble, no catfishing, right? I don't want you to, you know, put yourself in harm's way and meet anybody strange. I'm telling you, I saw God's hand in this, you know, from day one. So I started talking to him on the phone. We became really cool. And then he said, you know what, you know, maybe we could go out one day, you know. We said, yeah, okay. Well, it was Easter. <laughs> so we, I'm tra- are you tracking with me? We started February with Valentine's Day. Then we went through my birthday in March. Now, in 2017, Easter was in April. And he told me this later. He said, I woke up on Saturday morning. And God said, drive to Dallas. He said, well, I haven't even talked to Lanisha. She don't even know I'm coming. And my, God said, drive to Dallas. He was caring for his, his mother. He was a caregiver. He said, well, I, what I'm, I need to do, help my, God said, drive to Dallas. He said, well, my nephew, I need to, um, God said, drive to Dallas. So he 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 got in the car and he drove to Dallas. Now this is the first Saturday that I didn't have somewhere to be in the entire year of 2017, leading up to April Easter weekend. He got 30 minutes out from Dallas, and my phone is ringing, and I'm like, Lord. I'm sleeping in for once. Lord, I love to sleep late, and I love to stay up late. Who calling me? And I look, and I saw his name. Why has this man called me on Saturday morning? But I answer the phone. I'm a, I'm a little irritated. I'm be honest. <laughs> so I answer the phone. He say, hello, good morning. Hey, good morning. What you doing? I'm asleep. I was sleeping in on my own. It's Saturday to rest. I was a little irritated, y'all. And uh, he said, well, um, I'm, I'm driving. I said, what you doing? He said, I'm not driving. I'm passing an exit, Dolly Ferry Road. What? I recognize the exit because it's right off of I-20, right? I said, you 
you you coming to Dallas? He said, are you available for lunch? Now I'm thinking to myself, this man don't even know if I was going to answer the phone, right? But I told him yes. I told him an ex that he could pull off on, and we met at Olive Garden. We met. I drove myself, and he drove himself. <laughs> and we met at Olive Garden. We had a great time. And then he got back in his car, and he drove back to Shreveport. And that was really the beginning. We did not commit and become exclusive at that point, but I noticed something very distinct about him. I said, okay, God, I can see that he's one of yours. And from that day, he was intentional. He started asking me, could he call me on a regular basis? He asked to set up a set time that we spoke. He started texting me throughout the day periodically, you know, with the understanding that we're both working. But his goal was to just be connected to me, let me know that I was being thought about. And he was respectful in how he approached me. And we talked about different subjects. We had music in common, and we had church ministry in common, and we talked about the Word of God. And we talked about what was, you know, what movie are you going to see? And just all kinds of things. But it was not forced. And that friendship grew into courtship. And then we we had a conversation about it. And he said, you know, I'm really interested in you. I would like to see where this goes. And we discussed, what is your desire? What are you looking for? And we both wanted the same thing. Um, we both knew we wanted a committed relationship, but we also agreed we wanted God's okay. And so we prayed about it, and we became a couple. And after six months of being a couple, just getting to know each other, we had a meet and greet in Dallas. We invited all our friends. We invited our family. I wanted people to check him out. All my mentors, my aunties. My friends, my homegirls, my daddy came, my uncle came, my cousins came. Everybody came and said, who is this? Okay. And he submitted to that process. I'm telling you, it was like an old-fashioned hen pecking because they had him at a table in the back, and they asked him question after question, and he survived it. A year after that, he proposed, we got married, and I moved. (laughs) So be encouraged. I really want you to be encouraged. Be encouraged because it is possible. You don't have to wonder where it is going. If he's a man of God, he'll be intentional and tell you where he intends for it to go. And then you walk it out. Our communication, we listen to each other. And we grew. And through that, I was healed emotionally in another area. I'm going to share this with you, okay? I'm going to share this with you publicly. I experienced emotional trauma when I was 16. So trigger alert, trigger alert. I experienced emotional trauma when I was 16. My innocence was wrestled away from me. I was sexually assaulted. And being a church girl in youth group, I was crushed. 
I said, Lord, how could this happen? This is not what I wanted. I wanted to be a virgin whenever I get married, and this person has taken this from me. Well, my husband, my late husband, Isaiah Sherman Jr., was a virgin. Because I remember thinking, who's going to want me? And I said specifically, what virgin will want me now? Because I felt like I had been defiled. And let me say, at 16, I sat down with my Bible and I was crying because my understanding is that God was a holy God. And I felt like now someone has tainted me. It wasn't even my choice. But let me testify, even if it is your choice, even if someone made the wrong choice, God is still a forgiving God, a loving God. He'll receive you back to himself, right? But I sat down with my Bible, and I opened it, and it fell on a page, I believe, in Leviticus, to a scripture that says, if a lad goes in the field with a maiden, and he overpowers her, God saw it, and so she will not be blamed. I had never seen that scripture before. I tell you, I don't believe in coincidence. How is it that I'm crying my heart out to God? God, I don't feel pure. This happened to me. And I opened my Bible. He said, sit down. And I opened the Bible, and he caused it to fall on a page. He said, look down. And I looked down. And God spoke from heaven and said, I saw what happened to you. You still mine. I still love you. And I have someone for you. So be encouraged. You know, even though he went home to be with the Lord, God still used it. It was perfect. And so now I'm starting again. He passed two years ago. And I've had an opportunity to heal and walk this out every day. So be encouraged. I just want to share that. I just want to share that <laughs> with you. God is still a good God. He's amazing. He's faithful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can't deny this love is the title of a song that God gave me when I was a single woman. I was just so amazed at the opportunity to walk with him and how he was intentional in making me aware of his presence. God courted me first. Come on, somebody. God courted me first. Um, You know, I shared that, you know, when I was upset, I cried out for God. I've been angry with God. I told him about himself. And he said, I'm still here. I'm still with you. I'm still walking with you. It's okay. And so he said, I'm courting you. So one way that he did that, um, I believe that God reveals himself in patterns. And he'll make it relevant to you. Just like in the Bible, Jesus used parables for um, including everyday situations. You know, he was dealing with a fisherman. And he talked about fishing, right? If he talked about, you know, money, you know, he may have been talking to a tax collector that understood money. If he was talking to someone who was in agriculture, then he talked about farming. And so on this particular day, I I remember being tired of opening the mail. Anybody that's had a bunch of mail, 
you know, Lord, I let the mail stack up. Let me go through it because I know it's some things important in here, but some of it's junk mail. And sometimes we can grow, grow weary of having to sort through just junk mail, right? But God said, listen, I don't want you to get tired of me. I don't want you to get tired of my word. I need you to check my mail, my love letters that I'm sending you every day. Yes, God. Yes, God. So he had me pay attention to the mail system, and this is what I noticed. I'm still talking about courtship, okay? Still talking about changing out his love, right? Mail is M-A-I-L, and then the other mail is M-A-L-E. So God caused me to realize that similarity. Then he said, think about mail being delivered. It's running 24-7. You have mail um, personnel who are driving through neighborhoods every day, right? And then you have mail in larger packages being shipped um, on 18-wheeler trucks, right? And so when I realized that every time I passed a mail truck, it reminded me, you know, of a message from God. What message does God have for me today? He said, what's the slogan? We deliver, we deliver. We deliver for you. God delivers for you. The moment you pray, the answers are already on its way, okay? So I was on the freeway, I was driving, and the sun was beaming down, baby, this Texas heat hot, right? I noticed a big truck pulled up beside me, and because of the traffic, you know, we kind of stayed, you know, kind of like right beside each other. And from that big truck, the trailer part, it was enough to shade my whole car. And and I said, okay. So after that, it looked like they were going to pull up a little bit and leave me. I said, mm-mm, mm-mm. No, I want to stay in the shade. And I heard the verse in Psalms 90, 91, when he talks about, I abide in the shadow of the Almighty. You know, hide yourself in me in the cleft of the rock, right? And then no evil will come come near me. It might happen on my left or my right, but it won't come near me. And I said, wow. God was speaking to me. He was courting me. That was a love note. That was a reminder that I'm not even on this road. I'm not even in this car by myself, right? He said, think about air that's being flown in airplanes, right? <laughs> it's like angels. 24-7, mail's being delivered all over the world. So that's how you know, that's where I just said, you know what, I've learned to rely on you. When have you not come through? End of discussion. There's no fussing. There's no end to you. You always come for me. You know just what I need, the things that you do. Just where would I be without you? I don't even want to think about it. Do we have to talk about it? <laughs> There's no doubt about it. This love is so true. I can't go a day without you. And so those are song lyrics um, from the song, Can't Deny This Love. I can't deny this love. And when he did send me a man of God, I couldn't deny that love either. And the reason I couldn't is because I could see God in him. I could see and I was reminded of the parallel between Jesus being the bridegroom and we being the bride of Christ as the church and how God demonstrates his love through godly marriage, when you have good communication, when you're 
um, following, you know, First Corinthians 13 when it talks about the whole love chapter and everything. So, you know, Candor Not Is Love, that song, that's where um, the start of it was. On the right about here. Three, two, one. Okay, and good. There's commercials. I can hear it. The world premiere. Uh oh. Say it one more time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, God is love. He freely gives. You know, sometimes there are a lot of different conversations about, you know, how do I know if this is the one? Um, Newsflash, there can be more than one. Let me tell you why. Because I believe all of us are expressions of God and his gifts. It's a choice. You can be compatible with more than one person. Now, God Almighty knows what we're going to choose. And he knows what some of the best matches for us may be. But if you had a spouse and for whatever reason it did not work out, it doesn't mean that there's no one else out there for you. Something you can do to prepare is to first get some counseling, get some healing, um, go to some workshops, learn about communication, examine your own heart and your own self, look at your weaknesses. And build upon those until they become your strengths. Um, be open to love again. Remember that love um, appears in more than one form. What do I mean by that? There's more than one way to leave a legacy. You know, maybe you feel like, um, you know, I've gotten to a certain age. I'm not sure if having a child is still possible for me. Doesn't mean there's not a mate for you, right? Um, what if you have children and you're concerned, you know, what if someone don't even want uh, someone that already has beautiful little ones, right? God still has someone, blended families, I counsel blended families all the time. Um, what if you have obligations that you're concerned may inhibit your time with a spouse? Well, pray to God about that because he knows what season 
and every reason for every task he's put before you, right? Um, make you have some people in your life who are negative. They're bitter. They've gone through some things, and they it's not happening for them, so they keep telling you it's not going to happen for you. Close that mouth. Guard your eye gate. Guard your ear gate. This is between you and God. This is a personal walk, personal relationship. And then there's another perspective. You know, Paul said, hey, um, I recommend that you stay single. So seek God because it is a personal walk. It is a personal decision. Paul even admonished widows, hey, you might want to stay single. Your life will be simpler. <laughs> okay, I'm still I'm still seeking the Lord on that. Why? Because compassion um, and companionship is still a good thing. So I just want you to be encouraged. Take your concerns to the Lord in prayer. It doesn't mean that you're not faithful. doesn't mean that you're not focused. Just sit at his feet. God will give you the answer, and he will confirm when he brings someone into your life and the timing of that thing. And then he will redeem the time. You're not behind. You're not losing anything. God will redeem the time, and he will quicken your purpose. Um, as I shared, we both became published authors together. So I wrote a devotional called The Journey to Be Fly. Be Fly is an acronym. I deal with what you believe and getting rid of our limiting beliefs. Exhale has to do with self-care and taking deep breaths, doing enjoyable activities. Listen, that's the L, listen. That means check your environment for distractions. What belongs there? What doesn't belong there? What's, in, what's healthy for you? What's not? Feel, feel, um, that's the L. Um, feel means looking at your emotions and looking at what, what you're feeling in your body. So that's taking care of yourself also. And then why is just yielding to the process. Yield to the process. So B-E-F-L-Y, the journey to be fly. We don't necessarily arrive. It's a process. God says in his word he takes us from glory to glory, and that's what we're doing. So be encouraged. God has an answer for you, and he knows your heart. He sees you in this season. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for knowing that you hear us, knowing that you see us right where we are. Every season of our life has a purpose. God, help us to yield with patience, with thanksgiving, with gratefulness to your will and to your plan. Help us to trust you in areas where we've been hurt, where we felt abandoned, where we felt abused or misused or misled. Father, help us to hear your voice louder than any other, louder than our personal desires, louder than the naysayers and the doubters. You said that your sheep would know your voice. So we're leaning, we're trusting, we're depending on you. Father, help our purposes and our passions to be clear. There is work to be done while we wait on an answer for you. We're not in a holding position, Father. Help us to be propelled into our destiny. Thank you for courting us. Thank you for making us aware of your presence 
in everyday situations. It doesn't have to be overly spiritual, Father, because you meet us right where we are. Thank you that our own prayer life, it's not about how long we pray, but just that we said something to reconnect with you. In Jesus' name we pray, and I pray for peace over every heart and mind that is listening, and that we would not be afraid to get wise counsel. In Jesus' name, I pray, man. This reminds me, um, my late husband's journal is entitled 24 Hours of Prayer to the God Who Never Sleeps. And his whole goal was to just keep prayer simple. You know, there are a lot of prayer uh, journals out here that teach you about, you know, all the levels of prayer and the best times to pray, and they go through the Bible. And teach on prayer, and that's wonderful. But my husband at the time, my late husband, it was important to him. God put it on his heart to remind everyone, you can keep prayer simple. Saying, Lord, help me is a prayer. Saying, Lord, I trust you is a prayer. Saying, Lord, you know what I have need of is a prayer in and of itself. So prayer is simply communicating with God. He can handle it. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.